Church, what you are looking at up here this morning are world changers. They are world changers. Amen. These are those who will change the world. Why is this generation so important? This generation of the thumbs. Come on. (laughs) This generation of social media. Why is this generation so important? Teenagers and young people largely define the values of our future. They largely define the future of our world. Our economy is substantially shaped by their consuming habits. They lead the way. Come on. It's the truth. Their work habits in the workforce. Come on. The nature of the family, the foundational unit of our society. Do you know that it depends on how teenagers and young people prioritize their approach to parenting? The future of the church will be determined by their faith. And our future lies, whether you want to believe it or not, in their hands, saints. And so why is this generation so important? I was in a discussion with some people, and uh, they began to talk about the millennials. Uh, It seems like we've given names and labels to different generations. How many baby boomers in here this morning? Anybody a baby boomer? All right. The next generation, they call Generation X. That's what they call my generation, okay? Generation X. And now we have the millennials. It seems like all I hear out of Generation X is that, boy, these millennials are messed up. I mean, all they want to do is play Xbox or be on the computer all day long playing computer games. When you call, they don't answer the phone. But if you text, come on, they'll hit you back. I mean, there's no relationship there with this generation. What is going on with our future? What's going to happen? They don't go outside and play. Come on. I hear when I was little, I just, I had a stick. I'd go outside and we'd invent a game with a stick. Or we'd ride our bikes. We'd discover things. I'd go out and go to the creek and catch crawdads or crayfish, depending on where you're from. And we do all those things, but now it seems like they're inside all day long, playing computer games, watching Netflix, come on, and doing all those things. Their social interaction is on a headset. Come on, anybody ever seen that? Got a headset and a microphone. They're talking to people all around the world on a headset. What in the world is going on with this generation? But you know, the Lord shared something with me. Just like when Elijah went to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm the only one left. I'm the only good prophet that you have left. The world is going to Hades in a handbasket. What are we going to do? What did God say? Elijah, shut up. Come on. That's what he's really saying. Be quiet. I've got 7,000 more that are like you that haven't knelt the, knee, knelt the knee to Baal. Come on. I got more prophets. 
And I believe the Lord would say to the baby boomers and to Generation X, don't worry about the millennials. They're in my hand. I have a great purpose for their life. They are going to change the world. Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 1, says this. It says, now when they had passed through a couple of cities, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of Jews. You like how I just skipped over those couple cities there? Uh, then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths, three, three Sundays, three Saturdays in a row, reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious. How many know people will become envious of you? Becoming envious took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city crying out, These who have turned the world upside down, have come here too. You are these who will turn the world upside down. God would tell you this morning, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise ideas that you have, no matter how crazy they may seem, no matter how we as parents may think they're crazy. Don't despise them. Because God has got a purpose for you that's going to turn this world upside down. I'm here to tell you this morning that you're not going to be five young people who are going to blend in to society. You're not just going to wake up, go to school, finish school, go to work, and just blend in. You need to understand this morning, Jordan, Isaac, Ian, Darius, and Bree, that God has put something in you, a seed. And we, whether they know it or not, are depending on you. You are our future. You are the ones that are going to turn this world upside down. You don't like the way things are? It's up to you to do something about it. Come on. People are complaining now. They complained about gas prices, about oil prices. They complained about airfare. They complained about politics. What are we going to do if Trump gets into office? What are we going to do if Hillary gets into office? What are we going to do? This is what we're going to do. Come on. God has got a plan. We don't need to worry. What is our responsibility to this generation? First of all, this generation has a divine purpose. Come on. They have a specific identity. This generation has a unique opportunity, saints, and they have and will give a spiritual legacy. And so we have an obligation. Now, I'm talking to them, but I'm also talking to you and I. We have an obligation. We can't just kick them out of the door and say, go forth 
and then sit back on the couch. We have to offer them our support. I know we've taught. I know we've nourished. But we have to serve this generation. Come on. We have to value this generation. Their thoughts are not like your thoughts. They're not going to do things the way that you and I have done things. Come on. Thank God that they're not going to do things the way you and I have done things. And I want to tell you something anyway. Who wants to play with a stick? Just because we did it yesterday doesn't mean that's what we do today. You remember the story of the woman who was putting a roast in the pan. And she cut off both of the ends of the roast. Anybody remember this story? Some of you? And uh, she put it in the pan and her daughter said, Mom, got a question for you. Why do you cut off both of the ends of the roast as you put it in the pan? She said, well, baby, I, this is just what you do. She said, well, why? Why do it? Does it make it taste better? She said, well, come to think of it, I'm really not sure. Let me call my mother because she's the one who taught me how to do that. So she called her mom on the phone and said, Mom, the young one asked me a question, and now I have that question of you. Why did you teach me to cut both ends of the roast off before I put it in the pan? She said, well, I don't know. Your grandmother taught that to me. So happened that she was still alive. So she called her on the phone. Mom, my granddaughter, your great-granddaughter, asked the question of your granddaughter, and your granddaughter asked the question of me. Why did you teach me to cut the the, the ends off of both sides of the roast? And she said, baby, I really didn't teach you that. You saw me doing that because our pan wasn't big enough. Just because we did things a certain way yesterday doesn't mean it has to be done that way today. We must value this generation. We must rebuild this generation. Today's youth culture, they are more conscious of the world. I wrote some things down here that I've noticed about the youth of today. They are. They're more conscious of the world. They're more willing to try to influence it positively. You heard that from some of their bios. Come on, they're willing. They have some big ideas. And they haven't been told they can't do it yet. So let's not be the ones that tell them that. Come on, most of us had some big ideas. But people told us, you can't do it. That'll never work. Why are you trying that? Take small steps. Don't think that way. And we never accomplished a a true purpose that God put in our life because people told us we couldn't do it. Come on. They're more tolerant of differences. They're more active in their communities. They're a diverse group. Ethics and values reflect that. And they are going to survive in America where jobs and careers sometimes seem to be scarce. You want to know what they do? They just make up new jobs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the 80s and 90s job crisis. You know what? They just said, we're going to take this internet thing that the government invented, turn it into social media. Come on. They just begin to invent new things. Now, how many people over 30 are on Facebook? Come on. Don't lie. 
Don't lie now. That's right. My mother, born in 1943, 73, 74 years old, on Facebook. That's how she gets in touch with me, through Facebook. Come on. They have a lighter perspective on serious issues than previous generations. Oh, they're aware of alcohol, sex, drugs, violence, teen pregnancy. They know that it's glamorized. Come on. They're being shaped by the media, unfortunately. We are sharing the generation, sharing our life, our morals, our values through technology, such as the previously mentioned Facebook. They are the I generation. Come on. Technology plays a monumental role in their ever-changing lives. But it also plays a role in their morals and their values. Come on. It's true. They say we live with economic hardships, academic rigors, religious doubt. Come on. Religious doubt. And societal and peer pressures. They say we live in a less simplistic world. We are a reckless generation when it comes to sex. We are a generation that has hit a low moral standard. We have tremendous peer pressure. Pressure to fit in, to be accepted. Listen, my friends want me to do and be what they want me to do and be. And if you don't buy into the latest attitude and fads, you are seen by your peers as prudish and old-fashioned. And we sometimes just shake our head, boy, your morals, the things you choose. But what I would speak to our generation is, I believe there are some of us that need to look in the mirror. I mean, who taught them those things? Who shaped them? Come on. Where do they see alcohol, sex, and drugs? Sure, it's in the media, but it's some other places as well. Who lets them get away with things? Come on. And so my point is not to chastise, not at all. But my point is for us to understand what they, are, what they have gone through and what they are going through. Why they make some of the decisions they make. It's not all because their libido hasn't developed yet. Yeah, that's in there. Come on, they're still developing. There's a frontal lobe in there that's still developing. You don't even know it. It'll get there. But everything is not because of that. So we must understand them. We must value them. We must continue to nurture them and push them in the right direction. And most of all, we must be good examples for them. I know that we grew up in a generation of parents that said, don't do what I do, do as I say. And I understand that as a parent. I do. And as a former supervisor, I, I understand that. And there is some truth to that. But we can't continue to do that and expect them to turn out differently. You remember the definition of insanity. And I want you to understand this too. The definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. If you have sex before marriage, there's a result that's going to occur. 
If you continue to do it, why do you think it's going to be any different? If you don't pay your bills on time, there's a specific result that's going to occur. And if you continue to do that over and over, why do you think there would be something different? What you must understand now is that when you want to change your future, when you want to change your tomorrow, that is done by the seeds that you plant today. Everything that you experience right now is the result of seeds that you planted last year. All right, before you started your senior year, you're reaping the harvest of some of those things. You want to change your tomorrow? Begin to plant good seeds today. Seeds of faith, seeds of hope, seeds of trust, seeds of God's word in your spirit, seeds of prayer, seeds of continuing to listen to your parents even though you're grown. At least you think you're grown. Come on. But there are still those, believe it or not, there are still some who know a little bit more than you do. Now, you also must realize that as you transition into another part of your life, you are not simply closing the door on one chapter to say that's over, it's done. But what you are doing is stepping into something new. There's a new door opening. And now you are building on everything you were taught, everything that you've learned, all of your experiences. You are building on that. That is a catalyst now for your future. Now, Jesus told us in Matthew that a man with his hand to the plow, looking backward, is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Here's what I want to tell you. I've got so many notes, but here's, I just want to share something with you from my heart. Here's what I want to tell you. You've made mistakes in your short life. You think that you've been on earth for such a long time. To you, you have. You've made some mistakes. You've had some successes. Don't ever focus on your mistakes. Learn from them and then begin to move forward. Don't ever let anyone put you down, come on, or accuse you. One of the things that I love to say, even to our congregation, I'll say this to you and I'll say this to you. People who point their finger at you and accuse you of things, secret things that you've done, that you've thought, that you've said, your failures. They have so many bones in their closet that they don't want you to open their closet either. Come on. Now, this is not to point fingers at each other. But greater is he that is in you, in you, in you, in you, in you, than he that is in the world. And if God be for you, who can be against you? There is nothing that is impossible to you, but all things are possible to you. There's an old cliche says, the world is your oyster. Right now, as the elder told you and, and the other elders told you, you are young, you are vibrant. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to have original ideas. But I will tell you this, be grounded and rooted in the word of God. Then you won't have to be afraid. Let me read you a quote. I, uh, I am obviously a Christian. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross 
for the remission of our sins. I believe that he was in the ground three days, and he rose again on the third day, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And I believe that there is no way to the Father except by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. We heard a man talking yesterday at a service. People don't have a problem with God. Everybody thanks God. But when it comes to Jesus, come on. I believe in the Lord Jesus. So I don't believe in Allah or any of those things. I wanted to proceed this quote with that. But the great Muhammad Ali said something that I think is so true. And really all he was doing was quoting Jesus. He didn't know it. But he said, impossible is just a word thrown around by small men who find it easier to live in the world when they've been given than to explore the power they have to change it. They find it easier to just exist in the world that was given to them. Play the hand that you're dealt. He said, impossible is not a fact. It is an opinion. Impossible is potential. Impossible is temporary. Impossible is nothing. Jesus said, with man, it is impossible. But with God, come on, saints, what did he say? All things are possible to those who believe. So God's question for you this morning is, do you believe? I went through an exercise yesterday at a college prep class because we have a daughter who, like you last year, is going into her senior year and getting ready to prepare for college. And I was sitting in this class, and they, they asked the question of the parents. They said, what do you think will be the greatest catalyst for your children, your students, to succeed in life? Many people had a lot of things to say. Character, of course, integrity. What are some other things that will help our young people succeed? Come on. Drive, right? What else? Come on, talk back to me this morning. What help our young people uh, achieve things? Discipline? Support? Thank you. Anything else? What else? Motivation? Persistence? Persistence. Are you hearing all these things? And I said all of those things are absolutely true. You have to have drive. You have to have persistence. You have to have support. You have to have discipline. You must have self-discipline. Come on. But I want to tell you this morning, the first thing you must have is belief. Because if you don't believe that God enabled you to do it, you'll never accomplish it. All things are possible to those who believe. You must believe. You must believe, young people. You are our future, Ian. You are our future, Darius. I don't know what we have up here this morning. I don't know if we have a doctor who's going to cure cancer. Well, how can she do that? Nobody's found the cure to cancer in 100 years. Nobody's seen what Bree can do. Come on. I don't know what we have. I don't know if we have the next president of the United States, a future president. Come on. Who might turn the world upside down. 
Come on, a Christian president. It's not worried about Republican or Democrat. He's going to be a Biblican. Come on. Come on. We don't know what we might have. I don't know if we have an inventor here, some things that were impossible to do. Business men and women travel all over the world, and now because of what he invented, they can get to Japan in two hours. Come on. Well, that sounds crazy. Yeah, it does sound crazy, but you've never seen what Ian can do. You don't know what's in this mind. Come on. You have no idea what this boy can do, this young man. Excuse me. I don't know what we have here with Isaac. What do we have here with you, Isaac? He's not even sure. But God's going to reveal it to you. He will reveal it. Come on. We don't know what we have here with Jordan. Humanitarian. Social work. Changing cultures. World changer. These are they, saints, who are going to turn the world upside down. 